And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. Hi, on today's episode, we're going to talk about the barriers to pursuing our calling and how we step through them. And we're going to talk about why the work you do or the work you're stepping into matters now and for a lifetime. And we're going to talk about how do you fit in work around your busy schedule or your family and your other obligations. So I can't wait to dig in. Here we go. Hi, today on the podcast, I would like to welcome Sarah Hauser to the show. She is a writer and speaker, and she is a mom of three with one more on the way. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I can't wait to talk to you today about pursuing your passions during motherhood and how we step into our calling and so much other good stuff. So can you start by telling us a little bit about your journey through motherhood and through your writing passion and kind of where you're at today? Yeah. So my husband and I and our three kids, soon to be four, uh, live about an hour west of Chicago, Chicago suburbs. And we've lived here for a while. And I started out creatively writing uh, for kind of a lifestyle blog. And then that morphed into a food blog that I had. I love cooking. I love eating. And I got pretty into food photography as well. And so I started having a food blog. And while I had that food blog, I was also working for a hunger relief organization. And I had sort of this, I, I guess you could call it crisis, that maybe that sounds a little dramatic, but I had this moment of like, am I allowed to be doing this creative sort of fun work when I literally, my day job was to be like educating people about severe malnutrition and starvation happening around the world. And I'm at the same time writing this food blog. And there just was this disconnect for me that I had to really wrestle through and really come come to scripture and, and try to wrestle through that. And so I really kind of buckled down in, in scripture and through reading some other books and gleaning wisdom from other people and really started to dive into a theology somewhat of creativity and beauty and art and food and all of that good stuff. And that really started to come out more in my writing. And I realized how passionate I was, not just about taking food photos or cooking good meals, but why we actually get to do that. And so kind of through those months of of working through that in my own mind and and just in my own uh, work, I also was pregnant with twins and had twins. And so, of course, just through that stage of life, a lot of my writing ended up being about motherhood and and different things motherhood related. And and so that I started to write kind of about food, faith, creativity, and motherhood were, were kind of my big four for a long time and really still are some of the main categories that I write about. Yeah, so I continue to write about that. And as I sort of grew as a mom and just as a writer, I started to write a little bit more faith-based stuff and 
I am on the writing team for a collaborative blog about motherhood called Coffee and Crumbs. And that really sparked my love of storytelling and writing about motherhood in a way that is just very rich and meaningful and encouraging in the sense that it's not advice giving, but it's sort of coming alongside people and coming alongside moms and sort of saying like, me too, you know, I've been there and writing about the hard things and writing about some of the stuff that people don't want to talk about. And so all of that has sort of morphed and and changed as I've uh, grown, but that's kind of where I'm at now with my creative work. I write on my blog and as well as some other places still about those, those kind of big four categories, food, faith, creativity, and motherhood. But there's a lot of overlap uh, even in those pieces, because I think really that faith piece for me is foundational to all of those. But yes, that's kind of the very brief journey of where I've been and sort of what I'm doing now. That's fantastic. And I definitely align with all four of those things. So they definitely speak to my heart and I guess my belly too, huh? (laughs) But um, Let's see. So let me ask you, you have three kids and, you know, they're still pretty young. And then, like you said, you have another one that you'll be welcoming into your family. So how do you fit in writing during the season of motherhood when your children are fairly young? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. So that has been really interesting and kind of the big question for many years of just how can I actually do this? Can I actually do this? Mm -hmm. And again, that has morphed and, and changed over the years too. When my twins were babies, it actually worked out quite well because they having two at the same time, they both napped. Like I I made them both nap at the same time. I worked on that. And so I did have that block of time, you know, after we were out of the newborn stage a bit, but eventually we kind of got in a little bit of a rhythm where I was able to have some of that time during naps. But what really threw me for a wrench is when I had number three and suddenly my kids' schedules didn't line up, but they were all still home all the time. And so for me, that evolved into just a lot of discussions with my husband. And and I, it wasn't something that I was doing as a career and I wasn't really making any money at the time and not really making much now either, but it's, it's sort of been hobby that's morphing into more of a vocational calling for me. And I had a lot of discussions with my husband, just, I, I feel like I'm one called to do some of this work, but I also am called to mother my kids (laughs) and I'm called to do this well, but I also really need to have that creative outlet and I need to creatively fill and I need to write for my own mental health. I mean, that writing about motherhood and faith and wrestling through some of these things through my writing was really valuable for me as a person. And so Uh, For a long time, and we actually still do this, the times have shifted, but I would go out and have a couple hours every Saturday and that would be my time. So when the kids were really, really young and not sleeping through the night, frankly, I would take naps during that time. I wasn't writing all that much, but I, you know, I was writing notes on my phone while I was nursing them. (laughs) You know, I really wasn't, I wasn't writing a whole bunch. I was just trying to fill up creatively where I could in the margins But eventually, as I did get more time and we were able to carve out more time, I was able, I kind of had then a foundation of ideas and notes and things I had been writing down that I could actually maybe put into an essay or a story or or a blog post or whatever it was. And so, yeah, it's shifted. and, And a lot of that really was in the margins. And as my kids have gotten older and I'm not nursing any of them anymore, I've been able to have a little bit more freedom to 
create and to carve out some time. I, I do get up in the mornings. I try to get up in the mornings before my kids wake up. So that's huge. And then sometimes I do some of my writing for, you know, an hour or so, a couple nights a week after they go to bed. I haven't been doing that as much lately because first trimester pregnancy has left me quite exhausted. So even now and with COVID and homeschooling my kids this past year, I've had to let go of some of that too. So it's just this constant ebb and flow of, of the time that I have. But I've realized how important it is for me to intentionally carve out some time because frankly, I, I'm also a better wife and a better mom when I have some of that time to do those things. The other piece of it for me is that I have, I've asked for help and I could not do any of this work if I didn't have help. Um, and so right now, actually, as we're recording, my sister-in-law has all three of my kids. <laughs> and fortunately, we do have family close, which I know is just a gift and not everybody has that. But that's something that has been huge for me, too, is is actually having people around me in my life who also believe in what I'm doing and also love my kids and can help make that happen because I definitely can't do it by myself. Yeah, so many good things in there. But I think the first is that I think you're right. Everyone needs to find, even if it's just nooks and crannies, a way to express themselves mm -hmm. in, in some creative way. I mean, for some people, it's baking and some people it's writing or what it might be, you know, having coffee with someone because maybe they're encouraging them, whatever it mm -hmm. might be, or just getting support. But I think the first thing is, is a lot of moms I think we get stuck in mom guilt and think, mm -hmm. oh, it's selfish. Like I'm taking time for myself. What I love to remind, you know, moms, which obviously I'm a mom as well. My kids are just getting on the older side is that when we take a little time for ourselves to get recharged, to feel like we're doing additional meaningful work in the world, whether anyone sees it or not, right. We know that it's something that's filling us up yes. or growing us. Then we, like you said, we're a better person because it's very cathartic to do these things too, even if it's, even if we're making a lot of money with it, or it's something that we're just keeping our craft, we're honing our craft so that mm -hmm. one day it becomes our big thing. I think it's just important to remind women, encourage them that in every season we can still work on our craft or, or work towards our calling. It just might mean, like you said, that there's times where we might need to take a break or rest. And then there's times where we might only be able to do a little bit of it, but I think it's good to stay in touch with those parts of mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing too, is that it's easy, at least it's easy for me to get caught in the cycle of everything I create has to be publishable, or it has to be paid, or it has to be like, it has to have some practical value, right? Mm -hmm. And and I don't think that that's true. And it's taken me a lot of years to try to undo that thinking, because I do really believe we can create for the sheer love and joy of creating. And like you said, you know, the example of baking, I mean, I can bake in my kitchen and play around with ingredients and, and do something. And if that never ends up on my blog, it still is valuable. You know, it still can be filling. It still can be honoring to God. It still can be, you know, we create because, you know, I create because I serve a creative God, you know, and, and that has value. And I've wrestled with that, especially in those seasons where I don't have the time and space to to edit and to submit things and to kind of take that extra step of maybe trying to publish something on a website or even on my own blog, but to actually sit with my words or to sit with whatever it is I'm creating and let, just let it simmer <laughs> and say, okay, this has value. Even if it ends up staying a note on my phone, 
you know, and it doesn't go anywhere, but maybe over time, you know, it, I do want it to go somewhere. And I, I do want to share that in a broader sense, which is also great too. But I think, you know, the value of our creativity doesn't depend on how many people see it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's something I'm having to really learn myself. Absolutely. Yeah. So two things there. So earlier, what you were saying about how you would go on the Saturday sometimes, right. Or that your sister-in-law right now is watching the kids. That's the other thing I want to remind people that you really do, whether you have family nearby or not, you do need a tribe or a community, whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it. You do need support because one, like you said, you're going to, if, if you're married and you have children, you're going to be healthier in your marriage and healthier mom if you get those little breaks, right? Because Mm -hmm. every, every mom gets exhausted and frazzled at different seasons of motherhood. So I would just encourage you, if you haven't found someone to help you in that way, there's so many ways to connect with other women or other families to help you that probably need the same from you at some point, you know, especially Mm -hmm. as your kids get older. So I would just encourage people, like you said, I think it's a big, it's something really big and that not all women have that, especially if they have to travel or if they have to move a lot for work or the military, yeah. you know, or whatever yeah. it might be. So that's the first thing. And then you, you said something a second ago about, yeah, I think you're right about the, we can have seasons where we're creating and, or like you said, we're just collecting ideas mm-hmm. and that's okay. I mean, I have certain books, some books I've started years ago that I keep mm-hmm. adding to. I knew it wasn't the right season to, to finish that book at that time. I think I'm getting right. near that time, but I just, every time I had an idea that went to it, I would go write a paragraph or two, or I'd go write a, you know, another chapter idea or a concept. Right. But I think for me, it was anytime that came to me, I don't want to miss that thought or miss that idea or miss that, that concept, but it didn't mean that it was something that I had to go put out into the world in a big way. And the other thing I would say is I think sometimes we forget because especially with the culture and the society we live in, in the digital age, we think everything should be so quick, or like you said, it has to have mm-hmm. so much impact. And sure, over time, we want you know our message to have impact because we know that it it can it can make a difference in someone's life. But yep. just like a garden, you know, the seeds don't don't produce yep. fruit in a day. And some vegetables and fruit take a year or two or three years to get like asparagus. Mm-hmm. You don't even get you know asparagus the first year or two. So I think we forget that seasons are slower than we want them to be sometimes and that they Mm -hmm. take time to be nurtured and to grow and to form, you know? So I think that's something to remind people that don't, don't feel discouraged if you feel like it's taking a long time to get published or to move your idea forward, or maybe you don't have a lot of people that are, it's resonating with yet. I think we just keep working on it. And then we start finding, you know, our voice and we start getting better at honing that as well. Yeah, I think that's so good. And for so many of us, I think we can tend to compare ourselves to others where we see them coming out with this book or coming out with this thing or whatever it is. And they're in maybe a harvest season and we are still sowing. We are still digging those roots down. We are still sort of in the dirt with our hands dirty and we haven't seen any of the fruit of our labor yet, but we cannot compare ourselves to like where somebody else is sort of reaping that harvest. Because I think when we compare, then we get discouraged. And then we also are not able to celebrate them either. You know, we're not able to kind of rejoice with, with people in our circles that are getting that season because we're so kind of stuck on, you know, I'm, I'm behind, I'm behind everybody. And and that's just, that's not true. Yeah. I mean, I, I've even had to wrestle with this a little bit in the last month because 
you know, I've only recently released the podcast and, you know, I'm in like hustle mode right now because originally I was doing two episodes a week, two interviews a week, which is what I am doing, but I'm also doing five mini episodes a week just of me coming on and encouraging people. So it's a lot of episodes. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And but what I have to remind myself is, is that I'll see my downloads and don't get me wrong, they're going pretty well. But compared to the people ahead of me that mm-hmm. started a year ago, four years ago, months ago, but have a big celebrity following, you know, in my mind, I want to compare to like, oh my gosh, I have so far to get. I'm not taking the time to celebrate the small wins. Like, oh my gosh, by the end of July, I'll have like over 50 episodes released. You know, mm-hmm. like most people, some of them take a year to get 50 episodes. And then, oh my gosh, look how many downloads I already have for only 45 days or for only how many ever days it's been. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact number. I think as moms, I think that's a mom thing and a female mm-hmm. thing. We don't always stop and celebrate all the little wins because yes. we think it's not big enough. It's not yes. a big enough achievement. And next week, I'm going to post you know, on my social and say like, hey, here's what I've accomplished in the last 30 or 45 days because you know, I almost thought, oh, that's just too small, right? And mm-hmm. then I thought, a minute, that's a lot of work that mm-hmm. I'm not trying to acknowledge. So I think that's important too, is to your point is we have to remind ourselves not to compare ourselves to people that are beyond us, like you just said, whether we're sowing and they're reaping or wherever we're at, because I think too many of us do. We want to get to where we're trying to go. And then we, mm-hmm. we don't always experience the joy in, in now. Yes. Because we're looking to the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. So let me ask you this. I know before we started recording, we talked about, you know, there's so many reasons or things that hold people back from going after their passions or pursuing their calling. Can we talk a little bit about some of those barriers and some ideas on how we can step through some of those challenges? Yeah. So I feel like for me, one of the biggest things, and this is sort of an overarching umbrella barrier, I guess, but is my own insecurity and really having to wrestle through um, questions like, I'm not good enough to be doing this. People aren't going to like this. This is dumb. Just a lot of questions in whatever stage I've been in, whether it's, you know, food photography or creating a recipe or posting writing I really have wrestled with a lot of insecurity and I think one that's normal and every creative person I've ever talked to has always, has all wrestled with that. Um, And as I've been learning and unlearning some things myself, one of the things, the repeated themes that keeps coming back is I think it's Julia Cameron in her book, the artist's way who talks about how it's, it's not the people with the most talent who get far it's the people with the best with the with the most audacity and if you have the perseverance to fight through that insecurity or to fight through whatever barrier it is for you that is what's going to get you to move to the next step you know and and you can have all the talent in the world but if you if you don't sort of wrestle through those barriers it's going to be really hard to kind of take that next step that you want to take. And, and so for me, learning how to persevere and again, coming back to having a community of people around me who help me to do that. I do have a wonderful real life community that's geographically close, but I also have a very close knit group of other writer friends who can speak specifically into the issues that come up with writing you know, which I think is really important too. So whether you're a photographer or a chef or whatever it is that you're doing, I think 
having people who get it is really important to kind of overcoming those barriers because um, without that, I, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be writing at all. I would have thrown in the towel a long time ago, but to have other people say, Hey, I believe that you can keep doing this. I believe you're getting better. I believe, you know, that God is using you. That is one of the most valuable things to me is having that, that community of people around you to encourage when you are fighting those barriers. Yeah. I love that you just said that because obviously you're, you're writing, you know, a lot of it is sort of encouragement writing, right. And Mm -hmm. pass it, which same as, same as mine as well for the writing side Mm -hmm. of things. And I think it's really what you just said. I want to just kind of hit that point home. It's even encouragers need people to be there. They need encouragement too. They need cheerleaders. They need people to guide them. And so I think sometimes when you're the encourager in your circles or on, you know, with your writing or your speaking or the podcast and your family, I think mm-hmm. sometimes we take a lot of it in. We absorb a lot of the, you know, we're always kind of trying to help people and guide them and, you know, give them, giving them words of encouragement and wisdom. And so I think sometimes we can sort of get drained mm-hmm. and we don't always get built back, built back up if we don't mm-hmm. put people around us that can encourage us or books, podcast yep. or scripture that will help recharge that encouragement piece of us. Yeah. And I think, you know, it can be really hard, especially if you're creating, if you're creating anything that goes on the internet, that's <laughs> yeah. a special little place sometimes where it can be especially discouraging at, at times. And I, uh, I was actually just messaging with a couple of friends recently. A, a friend of ours got some um, really hard comments on something that she wrote. And, but we kind of all talked about it together and we were able to process it together and to say, does this have merit? You know, is, is this person like actually saying something that's true? And we were able to say, no, like we actually don't think this, this is true. We can speak into my friend. We can come around her and help her wade through that critique because when you're the person getting that negative feedback, sometimes it can be really hard to take for one. But then if, if we don't have those other people around us too, sometimes there is good critique that we do need to take. And it's hard to hear that too. But when you have a circle of people that you trust who can speak that into you, that's super valuable as well. So, I mean, I think it's, it, there's so much that can be discouraging that, like you said, we have to have those encouragers constantly pouring into us. Otherwise it's going to be so easy to give up. On the conversation we're just having about pursuing, you know, your a calling or a passion, you know, you were sort of just alluding to you know, most of us, I think all all people at some point ask those questions, right? Am I worthy? Can I do this? Do I have what it takes? Is it good enough? So we sort of touched on that. And then we just talked about being discouraged because like you said, yes, people can be very negative and very mean, especially Mm -hmm. people we don't, we don't know, and it can really hurt. But what about other lies that we tell ourselves? Are there other ones or have we kind of just touched on most of the, most of them with those two? pieces. I think this is somewhat related, but that idea of imposter syndrome, I think is huge. You know, I, I don't deserve to be in this, in this ring, you know, I, I'm an imposter and that, that can be really huge. And I think, especially like we've already talked about when you're beginning something that can be especially a hard barrier to get through because you're comparing yourself to all the people who have done this, you know, multiple times. And I, I think that one can be very loud. And I think that one for most creative people that I've talked to doesn't entirely ever go away. I mean, it's kind of something you're constantly having to battle of, do I belong here? Should I continue doing this work? And 
recognizing and, and continually coming back to the truth of, you know, what does God say about me? What is my calling? You know, what is my focus? What should I really be doing um, without having those questions just answered by our own fear and insecurity? Yeah. Yeah. And I think on that, like you said, we all do question that. I mean, I know as I do little Instagram videos or I'm working on the podcast, not so much for the interviews, but for the daily episodes, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm having to come up with a lot of content. Of course, I have those moments that I go, oh, my gosh, is this silly? This seems silly. Oh, maybe I shouldn't post this. I start having Mm -hmm. those questions and the doubting myself, right? Or, mm-hmm. or thinking, is this not the right message? Or, you know, is it important enough? Or is it, and I have to remind myself and I have to take the focus off myself, mm-hmm. right? And say, hold on, this is, this was never about me. This yes. was about inc- putting encouragement in the world, putting hope in the world, helping people see that there are possibilities that are right there in their lives that they can go after. And so for me, I just have to shift the conversation and say, how does this serve one person? Could this lift up one person? And when I turn it, I can stop worrying about, oh my gosh, I did look silly on the video or it, maybe it didn't come out right. Or maybe that day's message wasn't as great as the day before. Right. But I just have to remind myself, it's not about me. Right. I'm just Mm -hmm. the the vehicle or the conduit or the person that's trying to show up for, for other people. And so I think sometimes I would just tell people that if we can just take the focus off of ourselves, Mm -hmm. just like when you're doing your writing at the end of the day, it's that a mom or someone else that you're speaking to might relate to your story and feel better about themselves, or they might feel encouraged that this moment will pass or it will get better, right? Whatever the thing is. And so I think I would just encourage people that when they feel that way, you know, like, oh my gosh, maybe I can't do this. I would just remind them, can they, are they going to show up in a way that serves at least one person or that one person hears that message and it, it may have an impact in their life, whether it just made them happy or whether it encouraged them or it, get the, got them to do something different in their life. Yeah, that's good. I love uh, Tim Keller. He's got a little book called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And he talks kind of about that thing of when we make it all about ourselves, whatever it is, that it's exhausting, right? But there is such freedom in saying, hey, you know what? This isn't about me. You know, there are things that I have to do and there's responsibilities that I have, but ultimately this is not about me. And I think there can be such freedom in that when we're not constantly feeling like we're evaluating ourselves and our performance and our insecurities and just all of these things. There's, there's just such freedom in in what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see. I, another thing I know that we, or that I had noted that I want to talk about with you today was how do you perceive your work and sort of, I know from your perspective, you see it as not just a today thing, but a, you know, eternity type thing. Did you want to tell us a little bit about your perspective on that? Yeah. So that has been something that, again, I've grown a little bit in my understanding of that. And I'm, I know I still have a long way to go, but I really have come to truly believe with all my heart that our creative work has value for eternity. And I'm really passionate about that because I think we can so easily say that for those who maybe are in the church or have grown up in the church or or have a faith background, I think it's, it's easy to say the only things that have value are the quote, like spiritual activities. It has to be some sort of official spiritual activity in order for it to have value. And of course, those things have immense value for the kingdom. And we have to you know, if you're a, if you're a Christian, you have to remember what is central and what is most important. But I think that 
all of our creative work and all of our life can be done. You know, Paul talks about in Corinthians, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, it can all be done for the glory of God. And that is something I'm, I'm really passionate about. Um, if you don't mind, I have one quote actually that I had, I had marked. Maybe your listeners have heard this, but from C.S. Lewis in one of his letters, he's writing about this exact thing. And he says, we must not, of course, write anything that will flatter lust, pride, or ambition, but we needn't all write patently moral or theological work. Indeed, work whose Christianity is latent may do quite as much good and may reach some whom the more obvious religious work would scare away. The first business of a story is to be a good story. When our Lord made a wheel in the carpenter shop, depend upon it. It was the first and foremost a good wheel. Don't try to bring in specifically Christian bits. If we want, if God wants you to serve him in that way, he may not. There are different vocations. You will find it coming in of its own accord. If not, well, a good story, which will give innocent pleasure, is a good thing. Just like cooking a good and nourishing meal. Any honest workmanship, whether making stories, shoes, or anything else, can be done to the glory of God. And I... That's that really, I can't write it any better than C.S. Lewis, but that really encompasses my my view of our creative work. And it really can be done to nourish others and to glorify God, whatever it is that we're doing. You know, I'm kind of book obsessed, you know, Christian encouragement books, especially. And, you know, one, I mean, I love Bob Goff's books and Mark Patterson, mm-hmm. but they both speak to similar topics. And, you know, I think I, in one of Bob's books, he says something about, you know, he used to think that, you know, getting a whole stadium people and, you know, sort of in worship was a good thing. And he's like, no, actually, it's just being a friend to other people. That's how they meet Jesus kind of, mm-hmm. you know, show them love and be a, a good friend. And that's the way it's not so much about, like you said, it doesn't have to be overtly faith based or that sort of thing. So, yeah, I love that quote. And I do. I do love C.S. Lewis's work. That's awesome. So I think that you put that so well in, you know, the way you explained it. And then that quote definitely hit it home. So thank you for that. So let me ask you, you have young kids and I know obviously your faith and your cooking is super important to you, but what does the role of creativity or fun, uh, playfulness or faith, whatever you want to share, is there something that you do in your life that kind of keeps you connected to your kids or keeps you feeling young or that's just super important to you that you might share with us? Just a fun little idea or story. Yeah. So this, this is actually something I have wrestled with a bit. I will be honest. I, I have to, um, I struggle sometimes to play and it's interesting because now as my writing has become more, it's, it's moving more into vocation. So it's, I love it and it is creative work, but it's becoming more work instead of hobby. I have realized that I need to play more. (laughs) And that's definitely something I, I know some people don't need to remind themselves to play, but I have to remind myself to play and to have fun. And I can very easily get caught in my to-do list and what my kids need and what's going on in our life that I do forget sometimes to play. And uh, one thing I'm trying to get better at is for me, getting outside is huge. Mm-hmm. And especially in this last season of COVID and the pandemic and just kind of being stuck at home, that was something that, that I really realized I need to do more. And so sometimes that can come, you know, right now being pregnant and being a bit low on energy that comes from just walks. But last summer we went camping as a family for the first time, which is a ton of work to do with three little kids. But at the same time, while it was physically exhausting, it was very filling in other ways. Yeah. You know, and sometimes, sometimes playing is, is more exhausting than not playing, 
but it fills, it fills our souls in a way that we can't necessarily do without it, you know? And, and that, um, so just for me getting outside, getting in nature, going on hikes, doing little outdoor things with my kids, I'm learning to get better at that. And I'm finding that I really need that to fill up, even if it's physically tiring, I'm finding that I really need that. Now that's good. And yeah, we, we camped too. I think when we started camping, my youngest was three, maybe two or three. And it's a lot of work, right? Especially for (laughs) the moms, let's be honest. I mean, I have to prep all the food or I pre-cook it and I have to pack the whole camper of the food and all the things and, you know, emergency stuff and the blankets. So it's a lot of work. And, uh, and we still go, we're going in a week again. And we just went camping three weeks ago, but I love being there. I love Mm -hmm. having days to be outside with friends and with our kids. And I just actually recorded an episode um, about this, but it was that they, they literally for three days are running around without their shoes on and their shirts on. It's right on the shore or on the water. And it's, I see what, how we were as kids, right? Like mm-hmm. the outside without their devices. Cause mine are older, of course. Mm-hmm. And so it's such a beautiful thing to see them in yeah. play or adventure. And of course we, you know, we do some of that too with them, you know, we'll play games with them. We used to go fishing and do all those things, but yeah. So I love that you said that because I do find that a lot of parents, we, I mean, adults in general, but we have disconnected from our playful side or playful mm-hmm. spirits, which I think we were made, you know, in that, in that, um, mm-hmm. we were made in that way, right. To be playful and adventurous. And so I think that's great that that's something that you, you brought up and that that's what you're working on because as a mom, I've, I've written about this too. It's easy for us to be the, you know, the taxi driver and the cook and all mm-hmm. our obligations. And so sometimes like I'll take my kids to all the places, Oh, to the beach on a hike, all the things, mm-hmm. but I'm the organizer, I'm the coordinator. I'm the, and so sometimes I, I stop there and I, I just do all the obligation things. And then I don't extend myself into play. Yes. And so I have had to over the years work on that too, you know, like, Oh, I'm taking them sledding. I'm going to be going sledding too, because as the mom, it was going to be easy to say, Oh, I'll just sit here. I'll just watch. And so I, you know, over the years, I got much better at it, at least in some, some of the experiences, but I do encourage people that it's really important to play with your kids because they'll remember that more than they're going to remember that you had a, you know, the, the cleanest house or the best meal that night. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great and fantastic. And for me, one of the things that really shifted my thinking is uh, I I watched a TED Talk years ago from Stuart Brown. I don't know if you've watched this TED Talk he gives on on play, but he talks about the science of play and how like neurologically we need to play. And I don't know if that's just my personality that I I sort of needed it to be proven to me that I needed to play, but um, that it sort of put it sort of put the reasons on paper sort of next to my emotional reasons and helped me really understand this actually, this really does matter. (laughs) And so marrying that, that science piece, plus the theological piece and and what God talks about with creativity and then my own need for it has really shifted my thinking from just focusing on being, you know, practical and to do's and all that kind of stuff to learning to play again. Absolutely. Well, actually, I think two things when we play or we're creative because they can cut mm-hmm. or different. It actually lets us our mind kind of reset or get away mm-hmm. from all the obligatory things. And it actually lets us have free thought. Right. It's, mm-hmm. So we actually come up with new ideas out of the box thinking. So there's a lot of benefits and they have studied it quite a lot, both in business and in uh, personal lives. 
they also, I just did an interview that's coming out tomorrow with someone that read a book on marriage. And, and she talks about one of the secrets or the keys to, to a long, you know, staying married for a long time is not having fun with your significant other, which is kind of like play, but because that's what we do when we first start dating. But when we get family, sometimes we get so stuck in the have to do's in the, you know, caring for other people that we, we step away from having this playful fun with our spouse. And so once again, play and fun come in there. And I love the quote. I think it's Aristotle. I've shared this before, but he basically says that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than a year of conversation. And I, I love that. And I've talked to other people that say the same thing, like that coordinate um, events and stuff. And they're like, when the adults came, it's like everybody had smiles on their face and they were having so much fun. And we had never seen them this like joyful and relaxed as we had during those, like they were like adult challenges and like relay races and stuff. So I think there's something really magical there that we can all definitely take something more from that for sure. That's one of the reasons that I love to, you know, cooking and things like that. Cause it's, it is something that is so utilitarian and I get very caught up in needing to cook for my kids. <laughs> They're always hungry, but it is something that lends itself so well to play and you know, even if it's, even if the activity of cooking isn't something that you enjoy, you know, getting together with other people and sort of playing <laughs> like food brings us together. Right. And it creates opportunities for play, even if maybe the cooking piece itself isn't something that you enjoy that eating together process really does cultivate play. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and in, in like having the site with my mom's like zoom, which was all for, you know, families and kids, but yeah, you know, it's like cutting the apple slice of the peanut butter, letting the kids put the raisins and the different things on it. Or like mm. you said, making their own little mini pizzas and they make faces. But I think you're right. There's a lot of ways to incorporate play into the kitchen or into food or, or gathering. So that's great. Wonderful. So tell me, Sarah, how can people connect with you online? What's the best way to find out all the things you're writing about and doing? Yeah. So one of the best ways actually is I do write a monthly newsletter and in it, I give short encouragement, kind of a, a devotional type thing, and then some links to ways to sort of refill your mind, your body and your soul. And that's kind of my center point of everything that I do. So you can subscribe to that at sarahjhauser.com slash subscribe. Um, and there you'll also find my blog at Sarah J. Hauser. And then I'm also on Instagram at sarah.j.hauser. Um, so those are kind of the, the big places that you can find me. Yeah. And I'd love to connect with your listeners. So come find me. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, you know, having this conversation with me today. I loved it. And I look forward to connecting with you again. Thanks so much. It was great to be here. What a good conversation I had with Sarah today. And I think the big highlights were, we've got to understand the barriers that are holding us back from pursuing what we're called to do or step into. Even those of us that haven't stepped into our calling or fully think we feel it. We know what we're being drawn to, but we have to be willing to be honest about it and then step into it. I think also it's super important to understand how being creative and playful and getting out of our routine really does help us expand our ideas. It helps us be better humans. So I would encourage you to do that. And then also, why does our work matter? Why should we step into the thing that we're called to do? Because it will actually have impact for a lifetime. And I believe that as well. And then also, regardless of the season you're in, you have young children, you're an empty nester, you are caring for a loved one, you can always fit in little bits of doing your work and honing your craft. So I would just encourage you to do that. 
And I'll leave you with this really short quote. St. Catherine of Siena, when we are who we are called to be, we will set the world ablaze. And I hope you will be who you're called to be so that you'll be one more light setting the world ablaze. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. And if you're ready to go after your dreams and define life on your terms, head on over to kristenfitch.com and download the free No Limits workbook to help you look at different ideas in front of you and how you might create, scale, and monetize those ideas. So you can start going after your dreams today. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.